Ah, there we are. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw everything off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with perseverance or patience the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. One of the things that I think is easy to do in our culture, in our society, whether it be marriage, whether it be life, whether it be kids, whether it be jobs, whether it be relationships, is to throw in the towel and quit. And the writer of Hebrews takes this idea of a Christian life and he uses the analogy of a race. And I think that's the great lesson, the great thing for us to to talk about a little bit this morning. And it's the idea of he compares the Christian life to a race. Now, notice that he says in in chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, anytime you see therefore in the Bible, you always ask, why is it therefore? What is it therefore? It's in reference to chapter 11. And chapter 11 is the great hall of faith of all of the people who, by faith, they did this and this and this. And there's a whole list of them in chapter 11. And what the writer says is he says, look, because of those people, you're surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses. You have a group of people who have run the race. They have been a Christian. They've been a follower of Christ. They've been a disciple. They have run the race. They've done everything that was required here. And now they sit in the stands watching you run the race. And it's a great picture because if you lived in a world at that time, you would have, in your mind, you would have related that either to the, the, the Roman amphitheaters or you would have related it to the Roman Colosseums where all of the events would take place and there was just a, a surround, just like our modern day football stadiums or, or those kinds of things where, where there are seats all the way around it. He said, look, you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So notice what he says. He said, so get rid of the stuff that's hindering you that's entangling you from running your race. And run with patience the race that is marked out for you. Notice he says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Realize that Christ is the only way you can even enter the race. As I think about the whole concept of of a race, I'm not a runner, okay? Dumbest thing I ever did in high school was run track uh, because I I wasn't a sprinter and I wasn't a long distance runner so I was the guy that they looked at and went okay you can't you're not fast and you can't go distances you're going to run the 440 and the 880 and it's like you know and 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 I mean don't don't take offense at this this is the way it was we our our track team our our cross country team was ranked eighth in the state and our track coach was also the cross country coach and so we would do a two- to three-mile warm-up running the alleys of Detroit, Michigan in the 70s. Here's the way it worked. You turn 25 white guys loose running in Redford, Michigan through back alleys, you will always stay with the group. always don't care what hurts don't care how fast you are 
You will always stay with the group. Our cross-country coach was no dummy. But that's the race. And it was like one of those where it's not a sprint, but it's not a long-haul thing. And, 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 and so I, I was a lousy. I was a lousy track guy. But I tried it. And, and, and you know, here's the thing that I learned. I, I learned a couple of things about it. First of all, whenever we raced, you had to enter the race. And a, a, the coach would, would, would sign us up. And, you know, here's the thing. There were certain qualifications to be in the race. And if you didn't meet them, you couldn't be in the race. For instance, you know, I could look at it and go, look, I'm, I could show up at the next Olympics to run track. And they're not going to let me run. I could be sincere about it. I could work hard at it. I could practice. I could go buy all of the fancy shoes and, and, and tight shirt thingies and 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 you know, those zoot suits or whatever they call them, I could, I, I could show up to look like a track runner. Well, I don't look like a track runner. They look at me and go, what, are you going to be a starting block? Um, I mean, you know, I, I could show up with all of the stuff, but if I don't qualify, I can't run. And he, he says here, he's talking about people who have qualified to run. He's talking about the Christian life. You have to understand that if you're going to run the Christian life, you have to enter the Christian life. And people go, well, you know, yeah, you know, I think I, I, think I know how to enter it. You know, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to like do the church thing. <clears throat> Not enough. Think I'm going to be sincere? Not enough. I think I'm going to, I'm going to like go buy all of the cool Christian stuff, put the bumper sticker on my car. Get that little fish thing. I don't know what it means, but I'll put that little fish thing on my, ca- on my car. I know I'll go get, like, jewelry and, like, the Christian T-shirts. None of that matters. In fact, one of Fran's favorite verses was in John, where Christ talked about, in my Father's house are many mansions. But it goes on, and, and Jesus says, I'm leaving. And Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And the reality of it is, the only way to enter the Christian life is to, re, is to acknowledge that you're a sinner, acknowledge that you need a Savior. To take and put your faith and trust in Christ alone. To say, God, look, I don't want to live my life for me. I want to live my life for you. I want to repent. I want to change. I want to be different. I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm going to receive that gift that you offer me. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Lord, I'm putting my faith and trust in you and you alone. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't do enough stuff for it. It's a gift. Because you see, the whole idea of heaven is, think about it for a minute. Just, just, just put the Bible aside and just think about it. Heaven is a perfect place. Can we agree? So that means that in order for it to be perfect, there can be no sin. Not one. Not one iota of sin. None. It has to be a perfect place. So the only people who are there are perfect people. That's simple. So everyone who is perfect gets to go to heaven. And the whole Old Testament was written so that you could realize you ain't perfect. Think about a person to lust after him, that's adultery. So you get mad and say, I want to kill him, that's murder. 
Oh, but I didn't kill him. I just wanted to... Yeah, Candace, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> you had to be in Sunday school to get that one. But anyway, um, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where I, I want... But I didn't kill him. No, 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 no. The Bible says thought, sin. You go, well, there's no way then. There's no way. No, 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 there is a way because there was one perfect person. His name was Jesus Christ. And he came to this earth so that you and I could enter the Christian life. Because, see, he was perfect. So all of his righteousness, all of his goodness, all of his perfectness, he didn't need. Why? Because he died for our sin so that he could take his righteousness and say, here, you can have it. That's what entering the Christian life is all about. What it means is that for somebody like me, who's not perfect, I can look at Jesus and I can go to Christ and I say, look, I realize I'm a sinner. I realize I need a Savior. I realize you've got a whole bunch of righteousness that you don't need anything to do with. I, I realize you took my sin. I want you to come into my life. And Jesus does that. And you know what he does with his righteousness? He wraps me in it. Because Fran, I'll tell you, she wasn't perfect either. But because she put her faith and trust in Christ, she was covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So on the day that she took her last breath, she stepped into the kingdom of God, and God took one look at Fran. He did not see Fran. He saw the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he said, you'll fit here just fine. Not because of who you are, but because you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I pray that each of us have done that. Once you have done that, you then are entered into the Christian race, the Christian life, this thing that he's talking about. Let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. And God says, look, now that you're a believer, this is how I want you to live. And I've got ways that I want you to think, things that I want you to do, ways that I want you to, put your, to, to live your life. Here's the best way to live life. Um, guys, you don't know this, but when you buy something, it comes with an owner's manual. That owner's manual tells you stuff about the thing. Tells you how to run it. Tells you what you're supposed to do. Tells you how to take care of it. It tells you all of that kind of stuff. And you know what? When you and I put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we got an owner's manual. He says, look, you want to know how to run it? You want to know how to, you want to, know how to function in your life? Here it is. This is the best way for you to live your life. Here's the rule book. Here's the guidebook. You want to know, you want to know what kind of spouse you're supposed to be? Here, it's in here. You want to know what kind of employee you're supposed to be? Here, it's in here. You want to know what kind of citizen you're supposed to be? It's in here. You want to know how you treat your neighbor? It's in here. You want to know how you treat that obnoxious coworker? Here you go. You want to know how to, you want to, know how to act when you're at a ball game and the referee makes a bad call? It's in here. It's in here. You want to know what kind of parent you should be? It's in here. Here's how to run the race. And here's the great thing. You know what you have? You have a whole group of people who have passed on, who are in heaven, if you will, cheering for us as we run the race, who walked through this life, in Fran's case, 90 years, and said, <clears throat> let me tell you some things I've learned about life. Let me tell you some things. I, look, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't ever stop being a kid. 
love people more than they love you. We got people who have not gone yet, but who have experienced a lot of stuff. We got Vern and Margaret back there who are going, hey, 70 years we've been together. 70 years, we've seen it all. We've watched man land on the moon. I've watched her be hateful and mean to me, and I still loved her. I've watched him be obnoxious and just get under my skin, but I still love him no matter what. We've sat beside each other's bed in hospitals. We've raised kids. We've watched this whole thing play out, and you know what? We love each other today just like we've done for 70 years. And we've got 542 years worth of people who have been married just over 50 years. That doesn't count all the other people who've been married over 50 years. Okay, let me talk to you guys because here's what's happening. You're running the race too. You're not, you're, God's not done with you yet, so you're still in the race. But here's what I learned about racing is that it helps to have people encouraging you along the track. When I was racing, we used to have a couple of coaches, and a coach would stand on different corners, and they would shout out your times as you were coming by. It was a way to know how you were doing. And there were times, one of the most amazing things I saw was when, uh, I think it was Olympics, where the, the guy was coming in, and he had hurt himself, and the dad runs onto the track to help him walk out that last deal. I thought, that's a perfect picture of this. Listen, some of you who've been married a long time. We're Julie. Ah, there's Julie. Jim and Julie going to get married here. They need people like you coming alongside of them. Josh and Alex getting ready to get married here next March. They need some of you coming alongside of them going, look, here's what we've learned after 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. Here's what we've learned. We can't run as fast as you guys anymore. We're just smarter about how we run. Because <laughs> we're in it for the long haul. We got people in here who have young kids. Like I say, Fran never had any kids of her own. But you know what? She raised a bunch. And my kids were part of that. I was amazed. And in fact, I didn't even realize it until I started going through, I went through church pictures to see what church pictures I had of Fran, and I was surprised how many of them were actually. And, and Washburn showed me pictures, and they're like, do you know who that is? I'm like, that's one of my kids. Didn't know which one, but I mean, I, you know, I, he was like, well, that's one of my kids. Why? Because you know what she said? You know what? I, I can come alongside these other parents. You know what? I never, raising kids, would have thought about getting on a swing set with my kids. But Fran did. But Fran did. Why? Because she learned some things in her 90 years of life. She came alongside to help. Vernon and Margaret, come alongside. You know, you don't know. If you need to, here's what I've learned. Vern, if you need to learn anything about gardening, he's the guy. We talk just about every, you know, we, yeah, he's going, no, I don't know nothing. Yeah, I know better now. Uh, he'll have tomatoes before me. But anyway, we, we go back and forth joking on stuff like that. Look, you've got things you can share to come alongside, to look to Christ, as he says, the author and finisher. Consider him. He ran this race, too, for 30 years, 33 years. You don't think there was times he wanted to give up? 
you know, thinks there's times he, he started to get overwhelmed, read, read what he prays when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. When the whole weight of what he's doing comes crushing down on him and he starts to plead with God. Read how intense it is. His prayer is so intense. Literally, the Bible says he sweats as it were blood. He understands pressure. He understands stress. He said, consider that and run the race so that you and I, like Paul, can come to the end of our lives and say, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. I've run the race well. So my prayer, my burden for this church is this. I think we do a lot of things really well as a church. Here's one thing I think we need to improve. And this is something I want us to change. I want to see our older folks come alongside our younger folks and help them. And I know exactly what you older folks are thinking. I ain't got nothing to share. No, here's the thing. Just let them hang out with you for a little bit. It'll rub off. It'll rub off. You take them to dinner. Some of you younger folks, you take some of the, these older couples to dinner. Sit them down. Whenever I'm, with, whenever I'm with pastors, I have a set of questions I ask every pastor who's been in the ministry for a long period of time. And I will pick their brain. And I go right down the line with it. I say, hey, look, you've been at this for 40 years. Here's a question. Here's another question. Here's another question. And I have a series of questions that I always ask. Why? Because they've gone before me. I can learn from them. There's so much. They've hung in there through stuff that I'm getting ready to go through one day. They know better than I. Some of you have had difficult situations with children. I'm amazed when I look at this church, the number of people that have lost children who can come alongside other people who are going through that crisis and help them. You go, oh, I'm still struggling. No, no, you'll always struggle. I get that. But to come alongside and help them, because at least you understand some. Some of you with, with kids who are special needs, or some of you have gone through some work situations where, it's been, where, where you've lost a job and had to be on unemployment, and, done, and you can come alongside a whole other group of people who are going through those kinds of things. We need to carry each other. We need to run with each other. We need to help each other. So as I close, it's my prayer for everybody here that you've entered the race. And if you haven't, we'd love to talk to you about it. Because you've got to enter the race the right way. Some of you, you, you're entered the race, you're a believer, but you know what? You've gotten sidetracked. You're kind of like that t-ball kid. You ever watch T-ball kids? I think T-ball is the way baseball should be, personally. Because here's the way T-ball is. you got one kid at the bat at, at, at the home plate getting ready to hit the ball. And if you look in the outfield, there are kids out there, they're picking dandelions. They're looking at the birds. They're just having fun. They don't even realize it's a game. Nobody's told them it's a game yet. They haven't figured any of that out yet. But some of you, you're taking the Christian race, the Christian life that way. It's like, you know, you started in it and you signed up for it and then you got into it and you went, ah, whatever. You can do so much more with it. And some of you, you're in this race and you've been running it. Some of you, you haven't been running it that long. Some of you have been running it for a long time. And some of you are getting tired. The older I get, the more I understand it. 
I get the weariness thing. I've fallen down a few times and gotten scraped and banged up and got next to somebody else who was running a race who was a little more aggressive than you and kind of got rough. And you're kind of limping through it right now. Don't go off the field. Don't quit. Think about Christ. Look at some of these people who can help you. You got trouble in your marriage? Find somebody who's got a great marriage. Ask them for help. You got trouble with your kids? Go find somebody who's, who's, who's done well with their kids and, and, and talk to them. Get them to pray for you. Get them to encourage them. Get them to help you. Get them to come alongside of you. Red Green, one of my favorite shows. If you haven't seen it, boy, you're missing out. Um, no, um, I love what he says at the end of every show when he says, hang in there. Basically, I'm going to use my paraphrase of it, but we're all in this together. And we're all in it together. He also says if the women don't find you handsome, they should find you handy. But that didn't fit with the message. So, uh, <clears throat> but we're all in it together. Older folks, come alongside these younger folks. Come alongside. Make sure you're in the race. Make sure you're running it well. Don't give up. So I close with this. It's my prayer that each of you has properly entered the race. It's my prayer that you finish strong. I encourage you to invest in those that are running with you. Until the day that God puts you in the stands and you watch those who are left behind to run. Let's pray. Lord, use this time in our lives. God, may each of us look at our own lives and make sure that we are in the race according to your rules. That we have our faith and trust in you. And Lord, for those that maybe have gotten overwhelmed with it, would you encourage their heart, Lord, to get